Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Uh, and today... And today oh, 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 well, today oh. we're joined by a special guest who I'm sure you all have known before because this probably isn't your first one of our podcasts. Or maybe it is. Hey, say hello to a friend of the cast, Mark. Special guest, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Today's, uh, today's topic hits near and dear to my heart, I gotta say. I'm really glad that I'm on board for this one. And today we're going to talk about Noble Dark versus Grimbright. But before we do that, buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? It's pretty freaking simple. We like to talk about games. Today we're going to be doing a Pathfinder RPG tabletop episode. Um, but uh, I guess before we do that, there's a little bit of review, right? I guess we played a bunch of shit. Yeah, we have. Last week. Did we talk we- about Hell's Rebels last week? Um, I don't... I don't think we did because we, we recorded early. Yeah. yeah, we never ended up recording uh, a non-movies episode last week, but that's okay because we're going to give you, a, to make it up to you, we're going to record a bonus Apocalypse X-Men episode at some I'm point. I'm really excited for that. I watched, I rewatched all the X-Men movies, but that's a spoiler for later. Um, the uh, In Hell's Rebels last week, we played that. Uh, you guys uh, went through the sewer. Which was just dungeon crawly goodness. Uh, you did not. Fi- oh, we totally did talk about this, right? Because I talked. Did I talk about you guys almost dying to the to the scum, the scum giant? That's like CR nine or whatever. No, you told us. You told us about this, but I don't think you told the uh, the. Oof, I, don't th- I may not have told the listeners. I, don't, Man, I, don't I am really in yeah, my. I am really backed up on what we didn't didn't talk about. Well, anyway. It was just, you know, it's for it's standard dungeon crawly fare. Um, this is a dungeon I actually added to the game. So, you know, I don't just add, I don't just add RP, okay? Uh, we are going to be switching up for times. Uh, if people follow the stream, uh, our new time is going to be 8 p.m. Pacific because uh, our our friend Chucklos was having a tough time making it home. Uh and uh, also, Mark is joining because you know six people. Why not? Who cares? Hey, yeah. Um, I mean, it's uh, it'll be great. I'll be showing up with my um, my half elf paladin swashbuckler multi class. To be honest, with... I mean, to be honest, our uh, uh, I, I first I want I was like, oh, that's a dumb idea. Like six people, but then I actually thought about it for a second. I was like, eh, like our combat's been pretty snappy. Our RP's been pretty snappy. I don't I don't feel like the typical drag. And by typical, I mean the drag of, I guess, a phantom game that doesn't exist. Um, because maybe it's just because you guys are low level and there's not all that much, uh, that there's not all that much going on. Also in, in combat, we, we kind of like, like, uh, Beauregard doesn't do much in combat and yeah, he knows true. it. And that's that, you know, that that's fine with me, but that's like effectively one less, ter- one less turn in combat. Like it might be an intimidate check. It might be a shot, but it's not anything of like that needs like particular, rulesing as yeah. it were um but yeah um what else so so why don't we talk about that a little bit we uh we, we went into the sewers we killed some monsters we managed to essentially just walk past uh an, an encounter that was apparently way over leveled for us yeah that um, encounter that encounter was specifically designed i like encounters like this a lot that kind of was specifically designed for it's a, you know like it's a test right like are you just gonna fight everything in the dungeon if you do fight these guys you know he does 
you know, like 1d8 plus 13 damage, right? You probably... The, the reason that I felt okay about adding this encounter in there uh, is because you guys obviously have action points. Not very many action points have been used, right? So when you see the incoming damage, it's pretty easy to, uh, you, you know, like burn an action point off somebody uh, and just kind of turn the encounter from, let's defeat the this boss thing, right? To a... Um, uh, a version of let's run away from this thing and hopefully make it out alive. Uh, and there's obviously there was a lot more tactics to that. You know, he he has a 15 foot movement speed out of water, but a 40 foot swim speed in water. And you saw in the dungeon that the first half was all kind of concrete, whatever, but the back half was water. So it's kind of like you know, can you say can you kite him around uh, such that he doesn't get in the water and devour you guys? Same thing with the, his his crocodile companion. Uh, there's also a neat little bonus because if you guys were able to defeat him, you would have gotten like 10,000 gold. Uh, yeah, so. but none of that happened. We but just of walked happened. past him. <laughs> you just walked past him. I, it was so close, too, because Chucklos had the uh, had the readied action. He was like, I'm just going to burning hands, whatever's on the other side of the door, right? And uh, and he decided not to proc his own readied action um, and aggro that croc, which would have aggroed Ichtholo to a... Yeah, actually, that's, that's that's a question for you guys. Um, you know, uh, just, just kind of in, in that specific situation because it also kind of came up today during um, during Rune Lords, um, where uh, Nick was 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 talking about like his the specifications he had on his ready to actions. Um, in some systems, you like some people or some GMs rather treat ready to actions as being based on the condition, right? If you say I attack the next thing that comes through the door, even if it's a friendly, you do it. Um, what do you guys think of that? Like, think, like the, those kinds of rules. I think being specific is very important, and it's like as long as it's not like tediously specific, that's fine. But by the same token, like I know what you mean. Like if your buddy comes yeah. up and you stab him in the dick, like you're not going to do that. Well, but, technically, so but I also think I also think that it's like it's easier to kind of haha, you know, I'm the genie in the lamp and I twisted your words against people who are um, more prone to abusing that kind of thing. You know, so it's sort of like a self-correcting problem in any context. I also think that when it happened specifically with Chucklos, uh, the crocodile and Ichtholotua, who's the giant scum, uh, were both technically out of range. So his thing was like, I fire at anything aggressive, right? But he, what would he, you know, he wouldn't have hit anybody because it was only a 15 foot range. I'm pretty sure the croc and uh, the barbarian were both complete, were both out of range. So it didn't technically proc. Um, yeah. Though also, I don't know that I really would have, uh, I don't know that I would have actually like done it either way. Yeah, right. I think I think for the system of Pathfinder, I the general would probably let people elect not to take their ready to actions. Like yeah. I wouldn't lock them into that. Um, I do think for something like burning wheel, burning wheel is actually a big thing. Like one of, one of your character creation things, you write down like three things that your character always does for better or for worse. And it brings up some cool role-playing opportunities. Obviously, that's not the same type of thing we're talking about. But I think that's a neat mm -hmm. context or yeah. a neat idea, like compelled actions and the, and the like. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just, just a short thing on that. Um, speaking of which, we played uh, Rune Lords tonight. tonight. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what did, what, did, what did you think of uh, this session? I know, I know the last session was a little iffy. I thought um, it was a definite improvement. It was a definite, definite improvement. Um, and honestly, like, I thought that was a pretty good session. Like, definitely not one of my favorites, but the fact that everyone was kind of engaged and doing stuff was uh, really good. 
Like, I think that's a good sign that we're getting back honestly, on track. Honestly, I think that's mostly a uh, – I think it's just – and we talked about this a little bit, I guess, but I think it's mostly an artifact of the disconnect between the break, right? Because I yeah, actually was no, – so I was I get it. with it in the – when we were doing the prep session, right? Like – uh, and I and I like and I got it and I had it and then we like took three or four weeks off right and then we started like okay well now you're in the Margrave and I'm like fuck what were you doing in the Margrave like right shit, you know and that disconnects uh, kind of the like the 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 between the two kind of tripped us up I have I feel I think that's part of it I think there was also some distraction going on and I, I think all told it you know it was it was corrected I'm trying not to make things drag on too long. You guys maybe have one more session in the Margrave. Yeah, I and that. that's I also fine. feel bad because I don't, I you know, because I always hog the shit out of my sessions. So when like you know when it's like, all right, well now we're in the Margrave. This is you know this this is not for you, Kenzo. Right? Like, I think it's a combination <laughs> of things. Right? It's like it's good to see, um, you know, it's good to give pe- different people like their chance in the spotlight. But it's also like, you know, if just because it's someone else's thing doesn't mean you can just kind of ignore it yeah I'm like not 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 specifically like, to you but you know i'm also a big believer in the kind of like you know you give seconds to the guy who you know cleaned his plate sort of thing right like look if you want and this is kind of this is also a, a just like secret philosophy of my games but it's like if you want rp right if you want like the story and stuff to revolve around you you gotta take what i give you Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think uh, that there are definitely players who that's not a big concern for, right? Shout out to shout out to Lawrence, by the way. Uh, you know, that's not oh, a big concern really? for, right? And they don't, like, you know, for whatever reason, right, that's just not why they're there in the game. And, hey, man, that's that's fine, right? Because that's the reason I am in the game. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to soak it up every second I get. Fair enough. Yeah, so how do you guys think – how do you guys uh... – like now that I'm kind of here to give a little bit of uh, back and forth, how do you feel the campaign's going? Breaks uh, breaks aside, um, I think it's going well. I think that, um, I think again, like breaks breaks aside, I'm I'm kind of happy with at least I've been happy with the latest couple chapters. There's obviously been a lot of Wind Wanderer stuff in there, that's always fun. Um, like today with the with clearing the the shrine to cast that that interaction was completely unexpected and. And a nice little treat for me, I guess. But I I, I like it, and I, I like I like kind of uh, not sound redundant, but I, I I like kind of being in a regular adventure path after after we spent. It feels like we spent a lot of time in in the tournament and just be doing like more more common things. Yeah, um, I think I think that's definitely maybe a failure of execution on my part, just because uh, I don't know there was a lot going on, and it's it's being able to communicate it. Maybe not have been. Maybe was not as efficient as it could have been. But I don't know. I mean, I'm happy from it from a GM standpoint. And yeah, I mean, moving yeah, we've, forward, we've addressed. Uh, yeah, we've talked about yeah. the tournament a couple of times on the cast. But uh, I definitely feel. Uh, I definitely feel that from Mango. I guess my my like one gripe is I don't. F- I like. What is is there anything going on with the Rune Lords, right? Like we're in like book five, and there's you know there's been oh, like it's half coming. of a hit, right? It's coming, uh, and it just kind of occurred to me today when Mango was asking for questions. He was like, "Oh, what questions should I ask?" I was like, "Should we ask about Rune Lords? Like we've been just kind of taking like, uh, uh, you know, plot threads as they come without trying to search for the deeper meaning behind them, kind of thing." 
Oh, I, I mean that's, that's I mean I think that's plausible. Whatever. I think that's plausible. And it's just like, you know, you guys engage with it however, you know, you do. Yeah. And uh, yep. I mean that's tautologically true, right? But um the stuff with the rune lords is it's there. It's just not like in core rune lords it doesn't really show up until where we um you know, right around where we are now. Yeah, so it, 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 and by show up it's like you know, everything has a Sahedron rune on it, and that, that's basically the... the that's the, it, until, that's... like, the end of Chapter 3. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Um, so, that was Rune Lords. Um, the one, only thing I wanted to bring up real quick was, I had the pleasure of hosting Mark this weekend, and he was able to play in uh, my Wrath of the Righteous game, which I play in person, is not televised, but I think I've I've been trying to balance that campaign because... Um, you know, Mythic's overpowered. The Adventure Path is notorious for being relatively weak um, because you don't want, like, it's hard to replace or justify replacing a Mythic character with another Mythic character. So that it, so it seems kind of tuned down. Um, also, Mythic, I think, has a lot of unexpected side effects that I don't think the design has fully anticipated. Like Goomba Stomp? Yeah, I, don't, I So I'll ask you about that specifically um, in a second. But I just want, just to finish the thought out, we had this big fight with a bunch of demons and a mythic chimera, and I was very happy with it. Um, killed, or rather, knocked out most of the party I members. That, I thought that out. was well done. I My one complaint is, I thought the difficulty was where it should have been. I just think some people take a really, really long time. Okay. And right. that's sort of just a, just a mastery thing. I think it gets better. Okay, interesting. I'll talk to you more about that individually after the cast. Right. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, um, it's, uh, like, what, what do you think of, like, I know you're, you're a fan of using mythic stuff for, for your monsters. What did you think of using it as a player? I know, did you, I, don't, I, I know didn't, you didn't really, that much. I didn't really get a chance to use it, but okay. I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably okay for the people that want to use it. Like, mm-hmm. I actually, I really like the mechanics of mythic and, I think they fit a very good niche as far as, like, the game itself. It just, there's this weird disconnect between, like, Mythic and everything else that kind of bugs me. Yeah, I definitely see that. That's, Especially... yeah, like, that's it. Like, I think it would be good if it was, like, a core thing that you got at, you know, X level of fighter or whatever. But I don't yeah. I don't really think it's super good on its own. Uh, I, I, I feel that, and I feel like it, it definitely needs a little bit of adjustment because, you know... Like, there's been no Mythic content that's come out since, um, or very little Mythic content that's come out since the release of the book. And so, like, there aren't options supporting things like Phytokineticists, um, specifically. Like, there's plenty of stuff for core casters and, and fighters, but when you kind of get on the edge of those things, it's, it's hard to find uh, this uh, a path that really fits it super well. Uh, it fits some of those archetypes rather super well. Um, but... Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I was entertaining. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a neat game. I might I might do a, a rundown of that if I, if I ever finish that campaign at some point as an episode. But enough tabletop. Um, before we launch to the topic, any anything video games we want to talk about? I know we all just played a little bit of Overwatch. Yeah, we uh, are recording the night of uh, Overwatch's release, so you're welcome. Listeners, <laughs> yeah, I hope because all four we all, of you appreciate it. Yeah, we all wanted to play Overwatch so bad, but we we're just like, nah, we gotta. It's for the listeners, man. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've been playing some games. I don't really have good thoughts on them, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel I, that. I've been in something of a holding pattern is why, right? And I, you know, I probably will come back to this because I do have thoughts, but they're very, like, un-condensed. Uh, 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 they're kind of floating around the stratosphere of my brain. Uh, but basically, you know, for about two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks, basically kind of since the uh, the uh, uh, release of the open beta for Overwatch, uh, I've just kind of been searching for something to play. Um, but these this like these titans of Overwatch and Total War Warhammer have just been looming over me. So you're waiting for um, Legion too, is what I'm hearing. And so uh, I haven't get, Legion's too far out for me to really be uh, <laughs> thinking about it. Um, but uh, it's and I've just so I've just been playing a lot of stuff to try and find something that sticks. But you know, uh, you I know. don't know. I mean, I'm taking like I'm kind of in a slow pattern for video games right now. So, but I can relate to that. I know what you mean. That that's fair. Like, it, it's weird because this, this, I I went back to Enter the Gungeon last night. I love that game, um, but it's always like I only get around to playing it like the day before another game that I care more about launches. Like the like like the last time I played Enter the Gungeon was two days before Dark Souls three launched, and I've put sixty or seventy hours into that game along with being like a functioning adult, uh, at least semi functioning, but um. That get like you know I love that game, but I can never put find myself to put the time into it because there's always like these titans, like you said, Overwatch and and then tomorrow Total War Hammer. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's I, I don't know if I've got a lot. I've got the, the things I'll, I'll talk about with with Enter the Gungeon are for uh, I think a future episode that that you and Buddy and you and I have talked about in terms of video game stuff. So I'll, I'll put that on the back burner for now. Um, so unless anybody else has anything they want to talk about that happened, uh, this week, I think we can launch into our topic, eh? Yeah, yep, man, I'm, I'm down. down. I'm down. Let's this go. This topic is interesting. I love this topic. And there's, there's a lot to get across. Uh, so to introduce this to the listeners out there, uh, there, there's a subreddit called Our World Building, uh, and it's just kind of, you know, like world building stuff for, you know, for video games, for RPGs, definitely. Um, and there was this like info grant, like this little, this little like image or whatever. And you, there's going to be a link in, uh, in, in the show description, uh, along with a couple other links that like go more heavily into this alignment chart, so to speak. But it's an alignment chart, not for characters, right? But for like the world itself, right? Um, and there are two axes. One of them is uh, noble to grim. Uh, and the other one is bright to dark, right? So on, you know, on the top left, you have noble bright. Bottom right, you have grim dark, which are, you know, the obvious ones that people recognize, right? And then you have all of, everything in between, right? Noble neutral, noble dark, right? Neutral dark, grim bright, all of the kinds of um, uh, variations, I suppose, on on that formula. Um, and so we started talking about it, and it became pretty clear that. Basically, everybody had different, uh, almost mile markers for kind of how far into what territory certain settings go, um, or you know stories or character, you know, like where characters fall. What are the characteristics, right? What are some of the definable kind of traits that aren't even necessarily mentioned? Um, but so uh, that's 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 what we're talking about. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys want to? What do you guys want to begin? What do you want to? What do you want to start off? Um, 
Well, well, let's. I think let's. let's uh, well, why don't we give an overview of like the grim, dark, and noble bright? Because those are the two common reference points. Then I think noble dark is a pretty short, and then grim bright is the one that seems to trip fair us. Fair enough. Up. Yeah. So we'll go through. So we'll go through uh, and kind of define. Let's define terms, right? Well, do you want do you want me to read the paragraph from the one D four chan? I think I think that yeah. Will, uh... I think that's a good call. Go All nuts. Right. All right, I'll, I'll link I'll link this page in the description one D four chan of course being the authoritative source on all things geek, uh, but um, so wait where does this start? Okay, uh, I'll do uh sorry sorry I'm gonna vamp for vamp for a second while I oh, okay Grim slash Noble asks where there are heroes that exist may appear to change the world for good or ill a noble setting isn't one where everyone is good. More like one where people are active. In a grim world, no matter what you do, an individual can't secure more than an individual victory. If even that, because the rest of the world is too big, scared, powerless, selfish to act or to, to act upon his impulse. A noble world is one where the action of a single hero can change the world, and a single big villain can fuck it all up. There are important people who are so who are so either by birth, rank, or sure willpower, and every single one of these people matter. 40k is grimdark because it is static. Your, your space marine chapter may save planets for a living, if the stars won't even notice they exist. In much the same way, Sandman, Neil Gaiman's, is Grimbright. No matter how incredible the things the things Dream gets to experience are, he's ultimately trapped by the static nature of his existence and that of his companions. He could do anything and it would all be for nothing. All victories are individual and usually temporary affairs. Something like Morrowind or Berserk is noble, bright and dark respectively, because it is about one man forcing destiny's hand and changing the world. Now, a bright world is one full of opportunity, of wondrous sights to behold. It doesn't mean that it has to be My Little Pony. It can be dangerous, but your first instinct when looking at a new location should be awe and wonder. People may adventure to save the world, but they leave town with a smile upon their face, eager to see what comes. The shadow of risk is largely erased by the glint of adventure. In a bright world, it is quite possible for people to go on an adventure just for the hell of it, since the journey is its own reward. Resurrection, or at least a means to heal grave injuries, are usually accessible to counterbalance the fact that the risks out there are real. A dark world is one where life sucks, and usually not long. Whether it, it be because of demon overlords, nids, or the lack of water, everyone in the story may die, and, if, and, if, and they, if they die, they die for good. If you lose an arm, you play a cripple. In the extreme cases, even when you win a fight, your career is over. For example, gangrene. That means that even though people may be ready to help uh, Noble, people will uh, need a good reason to do so since stepping out of line is so dangerous. So there's so it's interesting because I think there are certain things that people latch on to, uh, when we're kind of like talking about this stuff. And, uh, like, so for me, something about the bright world, uh, that I kind of latch on to endlessly is this idea that like, when you leave, you leave with a smile on your face and eager to see what comes next, right? Like that is a very definitional trait to me for something that is bright, but it's actually kind of buried in the description almost. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of, uh, are like the operative, are the operative traits of some of these terms? Well, the way I, I was kind of discussing with Mango is uh, the Grim versus Noble is about consequence, and the Bright versus uh, Dark is about opportunity, if that makes sense. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I think I think in our previous discussions, we, we all kind of feel that, that the Noble versus... Uh, Grim is Grim. pretty easy. It's the Bright versus Dark. 
Yeah, but even Noble versus Grimm got a little bit interesting today when I suggested that Star Trek doesn't belong in Noble Bright territory. Um. Well, if if you look at our handy dandy alignment chart, it is uh, neutral bright. Right. Right. Well. So okay. The reasoning I was giving for that was that to me, Star Trek is very much about like you know, it's not about an individual, right? It's not just about Picard. It's not just about Spock, right? It's it's about uh, the team, right? Everybody working together gets gets this kind of thing done. Um, and, uh, and they're, and they are greater than like, you know, the, sum of their parts. And if they weren't all working together, they wouldn't be able to kind of reach, uh, reach the conclusion. Whereas I think Noble, uh, is much more individually skewed than that. Um, and you know, there are, you know, like, obviously there are teams, right? Uh, you can't, there's, there's no such thing as, uh, you know, a protagonist without supporting characters, even in, even in like video games like Skyrim, right? You have followers, uh, you know, who you work with in order to save the world. Um, but it does feel like more individually based, whereas Star Trek to me feels more like team based. It's actually one of the reasons why I kind of disagree with this Mass Effect placement, because to me, Mass Effect is the exact same thing, right? I mean, Commander Shepard changes the world as a single person yeah but he only gets there because of his ability to bring a team together and lead them to victory see i I don't see a really big difference between like a small team and and a single individual i think that it all kind of falls in yeah i I kind of agree with mango um i I think so what what would you say makes star trek neutral by this by this that's that's Um, my reasoning for why that you notice in in most or at least uh so Full disclosure, my, my fullest experience is Deep Space Nine, which is a little bit of a darker Star Trek. Um, but it seems to me that, like, most of the things that the, – the bigger events that happen aren't actually – like, like things things happen, but they're not really kind of overarching things. Like, the biggest the biggest changes ha- that happen in the universe are on the Federation level, which, you know, the state has has, has the potential and, like, the the kind of force for good has the, the potential – the universe as the the force for dark the the Borg and um, in some cases the Klingons, um, but the, like like I don't think the Enter- like the Enterprise may play a key role, but I don't think they often like do the whole thing themselves, right? Like even the big battle scenes in Deep Space Nine are um, are legions of, of Federation fleets versus uh, legions of of the of the people from the other side of of, of the. The warp hole, forgive me, because I cannot remember their uh, their names. Um, and so you, you've got this kind of like state level ability to affect change, but not uh, super individualistic level. And I, I think that like when you get really grim, you get to even that doesn't matter, right? Your your war hammers, no matter how long the Imperium of Man fights, nothing really changes. No matter how hard chaos rallies against it, they can't really change anything either. Yep, I mean I. Honestly, my, my perception of Star Trek is basically limited to the new movies, so I, I would kind of put it, I would just straight put it into Noble Bright. Like, I think Noble or Neutral Bright is kind of a weird category, and I think with Star Trek, it's definitely Noble Bright. You know, maybe maybe they're making a specific thing about it being uh, Star Trek, the, you know, the TOS. The yeah. The original uh, series. And this, is, this also, you know, we also had an argument last week about whether or not, to, to me, Star Wars doesn't belong in that Noble Bright category. I think of Star Wars as Noble Neutral. Um, but it is specifically referencing uh, the, uh, the original trilogy, which I think is brighter than the prequels, which I famously prefer. Um, uh... 
Yeah. And in oh, fact, the and in that. fact, the the one d four chan article lists out that basically half of the uh, of the Star Wars stuff is noble bright, and the other half is like uh, is grim dark. You know, you Star Wars episodes one, four, and six are all noble bright, but two, three, five, and seven are all grim dark. For instance. Uh, and, you know, portions of the expanded universe are allotted to either side. Uh, and I definitely think that part of that is the case, right? Like, to a certain extent, you know, I think I think Warcraft, uh, like World of Warcraft and the Warcraft universe itself are very uh, uh, close to, to Noble Bright territory, especially eh. World of Warcraft. But it gets to grim territory and weird characteristics because, you know, the nature of there always being a new expansion and there always being a new big bad. Well, that's a grim trait, right? So, like, no matter how much you are, quote-unquote, changing the world, are you actually? You know, it asks some... I mean, I have the controversial opinion of saying that Warcraft is uh, grim bright, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, I think it's actually an, an important, like, aspect to discuss, though, right? Like, um, so I would say that in, in, in Warcraft, um, the, the, like, the, even if you don't agree with the specific example of Warcraft, um, like, the world is still always changing. Yeah, there might always be a new challenge, but that doesn't mean you haven't changed the world, right? Uh, Garrosh was still, um, apprehended and killed. Spoilers for, what, Warlords, right? Um, <laughs> um and, uh, you know, these, the world still changed. You know, Pandaria was still reincorporated into the world. The cataclysm still happened. And even though, like, it's kind of like an endless treadmill, those changes still, ha- like, history repeating itself doesn't mean that nothing has changed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also think that's part of the, the tone. Like, I think this kind of gets to the tone of the storytelling as well, right? Warcraft wants you to believe that every that things have changed even if that might not be exactly the case. Whereas, say, Warhammer definitely just wants you to believe that things are always shitty and things have not changed and will not change. And things are very grim. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. That's something I point to, I think. Um, the, one of the, the key things about Warcraft being noble, in my opinion, is uh, the fact that as soon as Garrosh took over the Horde, what, you know, one man, right? Garrosh takes over the Horde from Thrall. Orgrimmar completely changes right uh even when he's leading the warsong expedition right he's using that i you know this black iron uh architecture everywhere uh and i think all of the you know like that stuff is you know that that's real and that's important and that and that definitely counts i also think that you know like one the, like one person changing the world also extends to villains and there is no greater epitome of that than deathwing who literally just by flying around completely changes the entire you know uh planet uh that, um, that is fair uh and so you know that's kind of where uh that's kind of where i put it but i also think that to a certain extent you know like there are there are settings that aspire to things but without quite necessarily like meeting that goal if that makes sense i think a lot of video games you could argue are in brighter ter- or, or sorry are in grimmer territory uh just because you know no matter how many defias bandits i kill in westfall they just keep respawning right and i would call that a technicality right in in kind of story in lore that doesn't that doesn't happen that way but you know if we're just looking at the game as the game those defias bandits are gonna you know pop up no matter what yeah, uh, so uh, this is actually kind of interesting. Mark, you said that you, you viewed Warcraft as Grimbright. You, you you care to explain that? Uh, yeah. I think this might be touching on something similar. So I think the facet of um, – so the Bright is pretty self-explanatory with the Warcraft series, I think, in that there's just like 
There's very few settings where your neighbor can be a mage, and that's sort of a commonplace thing without it being, um, you know, it, it's a commonplace thing without it being commonplace, if that makes sense. Like, it's something that you know, like, you will know someone in your lifetime who is magically able, but it's not going to be so common that or so scary to think that the guy down the street is, like, going to blow up your house or whatever. Like, the Warcraft universe... It's common, but it's still wondrous. The, but the Warcraft universe <laughs> that, see, that, never... You know, in, that problem is directly addressed uh, in in my personal RP. <laughs> the, but the thing with the Warcraft universe is, like, you the average commoner isn't going to be afraid of a mage or a priest or whatever, whereas, like, in another setting, that that's definitely not true. And so that's the bright side of things. I think the grim side is just because cyclically, like, I tend to think of grim things as things that are more cycle-locked on the macro scale than they are just, like, individually helpless. So while I can certainly see the aspects of, like, the, you know, these, you know, great people who change the world for whatever case, it's just always kind of intransigent. And especially in the light of Chronicle, where the universe is sort of expanded upon to be this pervasive sense of entropy and defeat almost i think that really makes um the world seem really grim at least on the cosmic scale so like when you're stuck basically between the choice of like total annihilation in the case of the burning legion or like something feasibly worse i think that's a pretty grim setting because like your squabbles are meaningless you know your world can do all this stuff and you can be wiped out in an instant without really you know any sort of reprisal i think Algalon, for instance, is kind of like maybe a refutation of that, and I think in the Warcraft universe it's kind of tending towards noble, but I do think that as a setting it's kind of stuck in grim, grim bright, at least for, you know, the average player kind of thing. See, I think this kind of goes back to, back to this question of like how much does intended setting matter, right? Because like you can you can kind of make the case for for any fantasy set, like, you know... Um, you know, for, for Lord of the Rings, Tolkien writes a whole bunch of stuff about, like, the the eternal song that, that is the, the universe or whatever. And kind of, at some level, the, the, the War of the Rings kind of just a very small event that happens in that. But it's, I think, you know, what, what is, it's called Noble Dark. Right. On this, and I, on this I definitely like Noble Dark. I think that's... I think that is so fitting, and I think it's it's so fitting for a very straightforward reason. The Lord of the Rings is a story about hopelessness, right? If you watch the movies, especially if you watch them all back to back, it's actually kind of insane the amount that they talk about it, right? You know, there's like, oh, you know, like Pippin and Gandalf are hanging out, and it's like, oh, you know, is, is there any hope, Gandalf? And he's like, oh, there was never much hope. Only a, f I don't know why he's Scottish, only a fool's hope kind of thing. And they talk about this constantly. Like, there is no hope to this situation, but God damn it, fuck those orcs. We got to fight them anyway, kind of thing, right? And I think that, the, you know, that, that is so bread and butter for what the Lord of the Rings is trying to accomplish that, uh, that I, it just, you know, it kind of doesn't matter. All, all the other incidental crap is just incidental crap to me. This is also kind of a similar perspective for, for Warcraft, right? Yeah, I definitely agree that, that, that there is that kind of grim cyclical nature and things are very dire. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of danger around every corner. But, you know, that doesn't erase the fact that every time you beat, a, like, a boss at the end of an expansion, you have Tyrion Forgering or you have, like, Thrall or you have, you know, like, these super awesome guys say to you, the player, 
you beat Geralt, you know, like, you are the reason that we're all not, you know, dead walking zombies. Thank you, heroes, for doing this. And I think that that you, who is meant to be the player, right, um, kind of transcends, it's just, it's, you know, that's, like, indefeatable as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of universes that play in this territory uh, kind of, like, very definitively, almost. Um Though I'm having a tough time thinking of other options right off the top of my head. Sure. So, 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 you you think it's fair to say that like an, an important part of this of the of these uh, axes is is um in is, Intent. is intended style in intended style rather than um or or, or rather in, interpreted style if if you prefer, Mister um, Death of the Author Sola. <laughs> yeah. Was One million percent going to make a correction along those lines. But yes, yeah, I think. Uh, I think I think you know like interpreting you know like kind of what the what the um what the setting is quote unquote going for is is important. Okay. Interesting. Um or rather I'm I'm glad we can agree on that. Yeah. I'm glad that we can agree but now I don't know what to uh, say next. Well, so let's talk about Noble Dark for a second. I love like I love that concept and I'm really really happy that this kind of alignment chart came into being to showcase that because like Grimbot Bright is a little bit hard to pin down. Like I kind of get what they're going for, but I don't specifically like I couldn't just say, oh you know, with Grim Dark or Noble Dark or Grim Bright or Noble Bright, you know, maybe it's just kind of my choice in literature, but I've definitely have a harder time thinking of Noble Bright, but like Grim Bright is really bizarre. But like Noble Dark is great because it's like the world sucks, but you fight anyway. And I love that. I love that it's like these victories aren't preordained. They're just something that you really have to work for. I definitely, uh, yeah, you know, I definitely feel that. I like grit. To be honest, I very, I very much like grim as a, uh, you know, grim, neutral, bright, dark. It kind of doesn't matter. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, uh, Rysarin, which is our Rysaron. <laughs> campaign setting that like we've kind of you know we put a little bit of work into it everything like that um and one of the original plans for that setting was running very very short kind of ap modules and i actually wrote one out for that that is that is very very grim neutral territory because um and what, what i like about grim is it makes the stakes like by necessity very personal you can't have you you have to have every you know good stories have to have stakes right that's really important but you can't have high stakes in the kind of noble sense of like world ending stakes right or even you know like i would say that hell's rebels is very much in the noble category i've even made it more noble than what it is in the adventure path because i think that the players being the fulcrum of change in kintargo is so so like kind of thematically core to that whole thing right um but it also elevates the stakes out of individuals to a certain extent and and into kind of um the you know into the world right like the stakes are i have to save kintargo from you know hitler basically uh rather than you know personal right but grim grim stories always have personal stakes right because you can't go big with grim you have to stay you have to stay uh kind of internal almost with that and so you know 
and you guys, I may have referenced this in the movies podcast, but like, you know, my favorite movie is Seven Samurai, where it's just Seven Samurai saving a village from some fucking bandits, right? Super, super low level stakes, right? Super, super, you know, personal ground level stuff of just like, can, you know, can seven, can seven guys work together to save a bunch of villagers, you know, from, from shitty stuff happening in the world, right? And I love, I love that, that aspect. And I think that is very, uh, kind of, uh, typically grim, which is something that makes me latch on to that heading a lot. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say other than like, yeah. The interesting thing, by the way, is that the other half of that is I also think Noble Bright weirdly kind of, uh, moves into personal stakes territory. Um, I don't think it does, though. It's just sort of like, I think that's a channel rather than like a reality because it's like, oh, it's personal because, oh, my friends and family are threatened, so I need to go out and fix it. Like, that's, it's it's an excuse. It's not like, you know, this army killed my family and now I'm going to go fix things because they're shitters. Well, so one of the things, uh, you know, that they mention is they have Pokemon in the Noble Bright territory, which is 100% where I think it belongs. But the stakes in Pokemon are super personal, but right? They're, but they're no, not. The like, they're, not, they're, you know, they're just sort of irrelevant. Like, Well, the world's not ending. I don't think that's true, right? The world's not ending, right? Whether or not Ash beats the Elite Four or whatever isn't some kind of, you know... This this is not the Reapers coming to harvest the galaxy. Dude, actually, that would be really fucking cool, though. Um, he doesn't want to save the world. He just wants to be the very best, like no one ever was. Yeah, you know, I exactly. hear to catch I think them that there are, is his real test, and his cause and I think is that to tame them. There are plenty of stories that sit in this, you know, that that sit kind of in this territory. To a certain extent, I think is one of the things that makes uh, Avatar an interesting. I think of Avatar: The Last Airbender as also being very much in in Noble Bright territory, um, and it simultaneously holds world-ending stakes, but also very personal stakes, uh, I think, for, for all of the characters. And so, you know, like, there, I, I, I don't try – I'm not trying to say that there's, like, you know, one, one size fits all here. Sure. Um, I mean, you can extend that out to episode six of Star Wars, right? Like, you know, there's, there's, there's the fate of the Republic and, you know, the relationship between a dad and his kid. Um, and it, I think it falls kind of into that same territory if we accept that – that six is is noble noble yeah i i mean i definitely think six is on the noble bright side of things you can't have i mean fucking ewoks like come on you know um yeah my thing with the star wars is that they're so kind of weirdly schizophrenic right because you have episode six on one side and then you have like episode you know two two three one on the five yeah geez five is so rough episode one and episode five Uh, uh, on the other side, and it's just kind of like ah, they balance out to me in somewhere in the neutral territory kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I I think obviously Noble Dark makes a lot of sense. I think we would all characterize the Rune Lords uh, uh, kind of aesthetic as being relatively Noble Dark. Uh, you you mean the one that Mark is running? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I th- the, do you think uh, it's yeah. do you think it's Noble Dark? Because I mean, I'm going for that, but I definitely can. Like, there's definitely a bit of a contrast uh, between, like, you know, oh, I think let's save our town and, like, I don't know. I tend to, you know, okay, I'll let you guys talk, actually. I also think, uh, I think the kind of quintessential noble, there's two things I want to get at. What One, the quintessential noble dark to me in this sense is Endless Winter was extremely noble dark, right? Like, 
that was that was a, a game where the setting was you know i remember like uh, some was, like you or nick was like why do why does anyone live here this place is such a shithole well it was also just kind of like you know it's one of those things where just everything is dangerous and there's you know like just it, the, it was a whole session right just moving from one town to the next town it's like doing that without dying well good fucking luck like you know what i mean and you know you know truth be told we almost did die right like we fi- we figured out that bell at the last minute and i got an evil artifact out of it right um but i think most games of D typically um a lot of games of D typically go from uh kind of grim territory to no like they 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 play into nobility as you get higher and higher level right like i think um you know you can't be a level 15 character i mean maybe you can but it, it seems crazy to me that you can you be could, a level 15 you could play in forgotten realms and then be uh yeah i guess maybe and then be in grim territory right because at that point you know you're just so powerful that yeah, obviously I could change the fucking world, right? Like, um, I feel D and D is a really weird example to do anything but noble. Like maybe the dark and um, light spectrum is definitely sliding, but my, it's like it's hard to do it as grim because like nobody plays D and D to do that, right? Like if you know if you, I think you can do grim in. Uh, I, think, I think you can do grim in small scale settings. I just think with uh, and it's other settings very difficult. Pathfinder. Right, I think in Pathfinder and D anD D, it's not super great. You know, I play. Yeah, I played. Uh, I played a full campaign of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Boom, you get you get grim real quick. Down down there down in the depths, right? You know, it's just like oh well. You know. and, and even when you level up, you don't gain so much power that you ever get like. The equivalent of like a, a 15th level character in, in a yeah D&D that that's game. definitely yeah that's definitely also a big piece of it um, and I think that there are a couple of other settings that kind of lend themselves to this one of the things I like so much about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay to be completely honest is that you know what like even if you are you know like a super powerful badass or whatever right you still probably you are still one or two hits from death but just because of how hit points work in that game like hit points basically don't scale at all. Um, and I just think that that is, uh, you know, just like systemically a, a really great way to be uh, in grim territory because it does, you know, like it doesn't matter even if you are the the Warhammer Fantasy equivalent of being level fifteen, right? You having eighteen hit points. Well, you started with twelve, so you know, like it's not that big of right. a, uh, it's not that big of a difference. So, you know, to get back on, like, so Mango, where would you put your campaigns that you run as far as like? on the chart like your what's your gming style because in my experience but again i've mostly been a gm not a player is i definitely tend towards the noble dark spectrum and i think buddy tends toward the neutral grim spectrum if that makes sense but so where do you kind of follow along that i i, I think i think i definitely um tend towards um noble bright like big damn heroes type of type of thing um i i you know that's that's the kind of thing I like, right? Like I, I like Deadpool. I like Ant Man. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I want all of my, my my games to you know. I like I like, uh, Dorden. I like I like my big damn heroes, and I, I think that naturally tends towards Noble Bright. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. 
I, to be honest, I was actually thinking about this in the context. I swear to God, this came up organically. I was thinking about this in the context of Batman versus Superman. Oh, no. God. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things is uh, that, that gets me a little bit about, you know, like when I talk about, you know, Captain, I was complaining about this with Captain America, the first Avenger, right? Captain America, the first Avenger has no fucking stakes because the Red Skull never wins, right? They never show him with any menace at all because the story spends so much of its time being like, hey, wouldn't it be so fucking cool to be Captain America? America, yeah, it'd be so great, right? That he never actually has like, like he 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 doesn't have to put up with the Red Skull as a threat. You're told he's a threat a lot, but the only times he shows up on screen is to be beaten by Captain America, which just kills that movie to me. Uh, whereas on the opposite end of the spectrum, Man of Steel is probably a better example of this. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, look, dude. If Superman doesn't do anything, Zod is going to destroy the whole fucking planet, right? You know, like or that you is, know, that or is, the Nolan Batman's you know, that, or anything, right? Exactly, right? You know, where uh, they they really th- live and thrive in this noble dark territory where the stakes are super high, um, and uh, and so yeah, that was you know I kind of I skirted it. I talked about Man of Steel, okay. Uh, not that anyway, so <laughs> yeah, no, just to kind of bring that up, like looking at, at this alignment chart, they've got. The Dark Knight in Grim Neutral. I think that's like way off. Yeah, it's really weird. If, yeah, that's that doesn't make any to, sense. Okay, so actually, okay, here I, I'll make the argument. This is what I think they're going for. In the Dark Knight trilogy, um, there's a lot made out of it's it's a kind of a throwaway line in Batman Begins, but it comes up a lot in the Dark Knight Returns and in um, the Dark Knight itself. Where like without Batman, there wouldn't be a Joker, there wouldn't be a Bane, right? These things wouldn't have happened if Batman didn't exist in the first place. And it's kind of like very tangentially asking those philosophical questions, right? Uh, the the Jim Gordon quote is, you know, we start wearing body armor, they buy armor piercing rounds, right? Like, where does it go kind of a thing? And I think that's the grimness that, that maybe they're trying to define in this standard. Sure, the Joker would have blown up a whole bunch of people on these boats or whatever if uh, if Batman didn't stop him, right? But... Bat, he wouldn't have been there in the first place if it wasn't for Batman. He, the only reason the Joker did this thing is to, like, prove some sick, stupid joke to Batman in the first place. The only reason the Joker is doing any of the things he's doing is to kill and – or well, not actually to kill eventually, but the chase setup cars. is obviously to kill – Right. It's to chase cars, and it's, it's about Batman. And the same thing gets brought up in the Bane – you know, in the with the Bane thing kind of thing where he's, you know, basically like, listen, man, when you bring a new kind of – you know, like crime fighting – you bring a new kind of crime with it. Um, and, uh, and so I think that's, that's kind of what they're going for, even though I don't necessarily believe my own. I'm not 100% on that logic. I think there's arguments to be made for the other side, obviously. Sure. Well, yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I don't know. Grimbright is tough. Gr- Grimbright, dude. Grimbright just, sucks. I hate it. Like it's, it's, it's just the one. It's the one I have the hardest time. Like with. I, you know, they say Sandman because like it's something where there's a lot to do, but it's inconsequential. And the Warcraft argument aside, I think it's really hard to put shit there. Like maybe Assassin's Creed. I think maybe uh, I think oh, a lot geez. of. Wow, that's a good idea. Man, I, say, do I agree with Assassin's Creed. I think a lot of children's shows kind of skip, like, you know, get into this, yeah, get into this territory. It's weird to think about it like this, but it's like, you know, Monster of the Week type shows or like, you know, like Scooby-Doo 
or like anything else. It's like everything resets every episode. There's no continuity. There's yeah. no like, I feel like that's a bad. That's like maybe. I, I know it's, that's it's that's a contrivance. That's I get where you're. I think tech, that's like no, a technically correct. Kind of, but like, would you say Scooby Doo kind of is Grimbright? No, no, no. But I am kind of with you to a certain extent. Um, like for instance, Transformers is very weirdly grim, right? Okay. To me, uh, yeah. Because Transformers, Transformers, you know, has is always and has always been about this war between Decepticons and Autobots or Maximals and Predacons, whatever you you know, like whatever. Uh, it's unending. There is never, you know, there's never going to be an end to it, right? And I think that this is where in other where in other places, I think that that's kind of just you know an excuse to keep the series running. I think this is straight up text in Transformers, right? Like you know, it's Beast Machines, the TV show, is all about how okay, we thought we won. Nope, you didn't win, right? You know, like. They always come back. They all every you right. know, and they're always fighting and war is eternal. And yep, fuck you know, fuck your life. Uh, to a certain extent, I actually think this is where Fallout belongs um, because I think Fallout falls under this category of like, you know, when I'm exploring in Fallout Four, um, there's there's risks involved, but it's all it's also very like interesting, right? Like I do want to explore and I want to you know like and I want to find the wondrous sights to behold right the first time i enter diamond city or whatever uh you know finding the uh the citadel uh and doing that that whole encounter um those kinds of things fall into bright territory for me which is kind of why i think it belongs it, it belongs in there almost yeah okay I don't know. Plus, Fallout kind of avoids the like the Elder Scrolls thing of like making you, uh, you know, like the Elder Scrolls is kind of typical sword and sorcery in that, like, yep, you're the fucking chosen one. Deal with it. Go nuts. You're the hero of Kvatch. You're the Dragonborn, right? Um, but uh, Fallout, you that role is, I don't know. Maybe maybe you could say the Lone Wanderer hits that. Yeah, warrior kind of hits that. With a DLC, if if you play the DLC of Fallout New Vegas, I guess the career hits that. I don't know. It's it's rough. It's tough with games to be grim. I think because games naturally want to empower players. Right? There aren't very many games that are about disempowering the player and making them feel weak and hope. You know. Like, I mean, besides you know League I mean? of Legends. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, um, no, I think. I think games don't lend themselves well to grim settings just kind of definitionally because it seems like without being able to overcome it, it's almost like, why isn't this just a drama? Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I don't know. I think, uh, well, like I think Ravenloft is a good example of like grim bright to an extent because basically like you're, you're in hell, but it's like psychological hell and there's cool stuff there, but you're never leaving. Oh, you know, I actually think Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I too, no, okay. no, I've never, no, I've never no, played it. No. I've never played it. <laughs> uh, but I think Call of Cthulhu hypothetically belongs in this territory because I think that kind of well to me, to me, the, uh... the Lovecraftian mythos is all about right, like this feeling of intense, intense non-existence almost, and like meaninglessness throughout the war you know what i mean like well i, I get where these, you're going these, these and i just cosmic entities are just so great to behold i don't know if that translates down to the actual no. game 
It really doesn't. Because to me, that's to me that's what Lovecraftian horror is. All well, about. the thing with Lovecraftian horror is it like it's not going to be grim, right? It has to be grim, dark by definition, or maybe grim neutral, because bright implies that it's something wondrous, but like in Lovecraft, that's not true. It's just something that makes your life infinitely worse for becoming aware of it. Like in a bright setting, you know, becoming aware of it's kind of a good thing. In a way, like no matter, yeah, and I think that's just not true for anything Lovecraft because it's like no, I, I definitely like Lovecraft is yeah, never like oh, you know, it's very rarely that like oh I'm gonna go face the darkness. It's like well shit, you know I can't have a normal life anymore. So, I you know I'm not a bi- I'm not an expert in Lovecraft right. and whatever. I'm not an expert in the Call of Cthulhu games. I've literally never played them. Um, but if if I were making a Call of Cthulhu game. I would make it in that same kind of Warhammer uh, uh, fantasy vein because I think that, you know, like, I think that's what the, you know, this is what the game should be about. It's about going insane because you cannot comprehend, right, what you are witnessing. Right. Like, that is the opposite of Bright. And I think it's the opposite of Noble, too, because, you know, when you try and get into that Noble territory, you just, yep, you go insane. You do, you know, you're, you're, you're crazy. Like, right. Well, I think, I don't know, I think it's a very interesting discussion, and having it as an alignment thing is is probably more engaging than trying to put characters on an alignment, almost. The thing is, like, I think with comparing characters with the, you know, the nine-axis system, or, like, you know, the three-by-three chaos law, good-evil, is, like, ultimately, there's a lot of personal kind of um, judgment that goes with it, where if you're not all using the same rubric, it kind of falls flat. But with the setting, it's um, it's going to be an engaging discussion because like it kind of lets you parse out little things about the world, and I think as far as like RPGs in particular, that's that's a really strong thing, because in, at least for like D and D, which is kind of the go-to, you know, if once you say a character is lawful good, well, you're going to expect them to act a certain way. But like, you know, when you're designing a setting, I feel like there's more nuance in uh, the grim, bright sort of deal. Well, I mean, I, I actually, I first of all, I like the alignment system a lot. Secondly, I think there is a lot of nuance, right? You know, obviously there's a big difference between sure. lawful good and lawful stupid, right? right? Um, and we all have our pet alignments, right? Like, I like lawful neutral a lot. Um, and I will never not play and, chaotic neutral because it's impossible. Right, you know, I, th- I think chaotic neutral is the most... Fucked up. Like, like people fuck well, no, it. it, it, it what, what I think I think it's the one that... If you were to pull all D&D players forever, right? Chaotic neutral is the most common alignment i think really um because yeah no i definitely think that's true uh because uh i think i think to a certain extent do you agree uh, with that the five ma- what that chaotic that? neutral that, is the most common alignment if we were to pull all D players forever of all time of all time what is the most popular alignment do you i'd say lawful um, good honestly like that's just there's so much weight towards that in yeah, the early days of the game like I think so. I think you'll have, I think you'll have lawful good, but I think you'll have a big spike around chaotic neutral, and I think that's because chaotic neutral is kind of like the default edge lord right. characterization. I mean, definitely. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah, but I think the default edge lord is going to be. I mean, I don't know. I didn't play in the eighties, obviously, but I don't think everybody was running around. I feel uh, like playing, maybe this uh, is just a topic for another time. And it's a little subjective. I feel like gamers in the contemporary sense have, have trended more towards like you know chaotic neutral 
than they have well, towards I think like it's because... than they have towards like um, good. Even even in kind of ancient terminology, so so to speak, I think you know everybody wants to be Han Solo, right? People don't want to be Luke Skywalker. Is that true? Though? Uh, I don't think that that's true. Certain... Well, I, I mean, if, there, you were, if you were to tell me, if you were to tell me, I think there's a reason that paladins be... exist, and that there's no dedicated chaotic neutral class. I think right. that yeah, but I think that difference is specifically the opposite reason, right? I feel like paladins have a lawful good requirement because people avoid the alignment almost. Because it is the t- it's the most restrictive alignment to play, and I don't think people opt into those restrictions. I'd actually uh, say lawful evil often. is probably. I, th- I think the evil alignments are more restrictive. Yeah, it's kind of. Fun. But I mean, um, for player characters, I think people want to be. Big, I think people want to be big damn heroes, and I think that most material is written for big damn heroes, and I think that that right. But that I don't was... think big damn heroes. Yeah, I don't even think big damn heroes. The big damn heroes thing comes from Firefly, where everybody's you know chaotic neutral, right? You can be big damn heroes, and you can still be chaotic neutral. And I think to a certain extent, people like that more. I think I think that's a more modern thing, though, right? Yeah, like, like, like I think that's a contemporary a issue, between... not a like constancy issue. Jeez, you know how like grim comic book reboots right. have been like a thing of the relatively Since the recent 90s. past. Like that's that I, I think that's the kind of the, the, the even before the nineties, Wolverine is like the most pop. You know, Wolverine and Batman are like the most popular characters, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe you could make an make you could make an argument for Spider Man being in there, right? But I think I don't know. I just I don't I don't think that this is a I don't think this is a modern phenomenon. I think it's it's I I still think I think I think you you characterize Wolverine as chaotic good. So I think chaotic good is there, but right, but I think chaotic good has more in in common. I mean, even alignment wise, it has more in common with uh, chaotic neutral than it does with uh, lawful good. To, I, uh, I I would also say that those are the biggest. You know, those are probably the big three in my mind. Um, maybe true neutrals in there somewhere, uh, but I think it's like chaotic neutral, chaotic good, lawful good. I don't know. I see. See, I, I think what you, what you're describing is like it's kind of there's like the sti- like you said it with, with with Han Solo, right? Like there's the hero, there's the lancer, and then there's like like the the hero's lawful good, the lancer's chaotic or neutral good, and then you've got some like side joke characters that end up being like the chaotic neutral or like the you know you know like the 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 heel turning. Uh, law, or- oh, I oh that's actually interesting. I wonder. See, I would instantly classify Han Solo as being chaotic neutral, but, like, his arc is very much towards chaotic good. Right. And his arc takes place during episode four. Like, he, he's, he's, he's still, he's a good guy as soon as, as soon as he blows uh, Darth Vader away. Yeah, but to a certain extent, I also think that he, uh, like, I don't think him getting frozen in carbonite and him being entirely useless on Jabba's palace are like these aren't defining Han Solo moments, right? All of the defining Han Solo moments come from Episode Four. I think that's. Where... Uh, I, I I think I think the, I think the the, the scene in Cloud City is very defining, like Han Solo moment. I, I not, agree. Not to get into the nitty gritty of Star Wars, but yeah, like I... you know, like the, like you know the, the the biggest Han Solo lines, right? Like I love you. I know that's 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 all. That, that's literally the moment before he gets frozen in carbonite. 
Sure. So even if that's a big moment, right? I think when people think of Han Solo, I think they're thinking of, you know, the guy they met in the bar who shoots Greedo, right? How the reason Han shot first is such a huge thing, right? Is because people are so attached to this specific image of, of Han Solo. I, George Lucas literally said he was like, he 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 marries Princess Leia at the end. I can't have him shoot. You know what I mean? And I empathize with that argument, right? I think that's that's right to a certain extent. Uh, and people wow. vilify. Wow! All right, vilify George Lucas for that. For that. Uh, really, what I mean to say, right? I don't mean to say it's right. I, I mean to say it's valid, right? I think that's totally a valid interpretation. Um, and that's, I think I, know, I do but, think that's. that's, uh... and that's I do think there's some sense there. I mean, come on. Are you really going to argue with George Lucas? Right? Like, come on. I mean, plenty of people have. Uh, uh, plenty <laughs> of people are also wrong. And dicks. But, you know, <laughs> my my endless defense and dick riding of George Lucas aside. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a joke. I think, it's true. Uh, hey, we, lo- <laughs> we love each other here. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I think it comes down to how you define an antihero, right? I think most antiheroes are are chaotic or at least i would call them chaotic good um oof man see i think of see when you say anti-hero i bet you're thinking robin hood when i hear anti-hero i hear the punisher right like oh no see the punisher is not uh yeah punisher is not mm, really yeah punisher is right? not really an anti-hero anyway but about the setting oh see that's weird to me but i what, see what you're saying what, what would you call deadpool I mean, I would call Deadpool chaotic neutral, but I don't think that's the defining like characteristic. Almost, I think he's a, okay, I think he's a protagonist, not an anti-hero. What? Uh, he's not a hero, though. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think he's a protagonist, it, not an anti-hero. The Punisher. The Punisher is not a hero. Well, yeah. That's my point. That's my point. But right? the Punisher has also been recontextualized, especially in the in the light of you know Daredevil season two, right? The Punisher was a Spider-Man villain for one comic, but he's famous because of his comic series where he was the you know he was the protagonist, right? And you know he's he's doing fucked up shit. He's doing the stuff that uh, you know we know heroes don't do. He uses guns and he kills people, right? Um, but you know, he's doing it to, he's doing it to the bad guys. So that, this is where he gets into anti-hero territory for me. I don't think, I don't think Robin Hood belongs in anti-hero territory. And I really don't even think Han Solo does to a certain extent. Hmm. I, 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 that's the thing, an argument about what qualifies as, a, as an anti-hero, um, which is, I think a different Sure. But that's why, that's what I'm saying. Argument. I brought it up, right? Cause, cause I just, you know, when you like, say I don't know, anti- I don't know what I think of, of, of Robin Hood. But I definitely think of most Lancers as, like, I think of Wolverine as an anti-hero. I think Wolverine's yeah. very is very good, like fundamentally. I mean, you know, well, I think like like badass with a heart of gold type of deal. Yeah, uh, it's tough because Wolverine has a long history. That's true um, too. But I think really what I'm trying to to separate out is chaotic good to me is Robin Hood, right? Um, chaotic neutral is like it's you know he's Han Solo. He's out for himself. Right, he doesn't care about good or evil, and he does, and he certainly doesn't care about like the law. Nobody's going to tell him what to do, kind of thing. And you get, and like, yeah, that technically describes Deadpool too, right? But I think that is like the big, you know, that's a big defining characteristic for who. uh, I I see. I still Solo is, and I I think, and yeah, look, it lends itself to that. Solo's not out for himself. Literally, every time he has the opportunity, he turns around. That's because his arc is towards goodness. uh, Let me put it this way. Han Solo in Episode 6 is chaotic good. Han Solo in Episode 5 is chaotic good, 
to a certain extent. I mean, he does say he's going to fucking leave the rebel base in the beginning of episode five, right? The only reason he sticks around is because they get attacked, hypothetically. Uh, but, uh, you know, Han Solo, th- th- this character arc, this is just the character arc. The same thing happens to Wolverine in the X-Men movies, right? Wolverine, in, in fact, this is key to Wolverine's arc in the X-Men movie. And Jean Grey says it to his face where, you know, she's like, hey, man, the good guy sticks around. And Wolverine leaves, right? She says, the good guy, right? He, the good guy sticks around. And Wolverine then leaves. Nah. That He's not the good guy, according, you know, like, that's that's text, right? Um and I think Wolverine in the comics is different. Wolverine in the comics has been around long enough that I don't think he can really play this card anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that's what Chaotic Neutral describes to a lot of people. I th- yeah. That's what Kenzo, you know, that, that's what Kenzo is, right? And that's why Kenzo is, this is bread and butter why, why I have Kenzo as Chaotic Neutral. Yeah, I, I just don't think most, most people play it that way. I think most people trend, tend towards good. Um. Like I, I see what you're saying, but I don't. I don't. I don't think you're right. I don't think more people want to be Han Solo than want to be Luke Skywalker. I, yeah, I, I agree with Mango. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Mango. I think there's maybe a little bit of a distortion. I think this is why. I think this is why everybody wants to be Superman. Nobody wants to, or everybody wants to be Batman. Nobody wants. But that's to be that's because Batman, Superman's right? boring. This is why. Like this is why everybody wants to be Wolverine. Nobody wants to be Cyclops. Eh. Right. Uh, that's to, because Cyclops, Cyclops sucks. Cyclops, Cyclops, yeah, but Cyclops is the lawful but good. No, in that but no, but he sucks. Like, but he sucks. That's the problem. It's like <laughs> it's my, that's my well, point. Okay, here's the thing. Right, is like you have to present like two comparable options because like if your option is like okay, well if you want to play your lawful character, you can be Hitler, and if you want to play your chaotic character, you can play <laughs> with Churchill. Like those are those are yeah, but those aren't comparable. Cyclops is totally lawful good right but he's an asshole he's a great example of how lawful good doesn't make you you know Tarek, right sometimes it makes you on solo <laughs> anyway um yes the guy working for the rebels yeah. he's totally lawful right <laughs> i think you can be lawful with that i think like in the same way that you can have a setting be um noble or grim you don't have to be uh like, I, I don't think it's, like, intrinsically one or the other, right? Like, if you're a character involved in an organization, I don't think you have to meet that organization's, like, typical calling card, as far as alignment goes. But, um... That's not what I'm suggesting. Do you guys want to... So, but, are there uh, any other, like, setting topics you guys want to cover? Before, you know, just given... Uh, yeah, I guess we did get off track. Whatever. I mean, I like tangent... Yeah, I mean, this is why we do the Tangents cast, are good. Tangents are good. Yeah, yeah, but, okay. you know, would like to, you know, maybe... You know, anything else you want to hit, given the nature of the podcast, would be cool. Like, I don't know. Like, like do, do, do you want to try and, like, name one of these alignments and see if we can... All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's play, let's play the game. So, all right, so, Noble Bright, what's your go-to? Mine's, uh... Actually, hold on, I need to think about that. <laughs> all right. Dude, I do, feel that. Do you have a go-to... Uh... Man, see, Noble Bright is like my like. If you ask me, like immediately, like give me an example of something that's Noble Bright, I'd, I'd say like D and D, um, most D and D. Obviously, that varies by setting, but like I feel like Forgotten Realms is super Noble Bright. Oh God, I um, just Forgotten Realms is so boring. Um, I don't know. I think it's got interesting stories in it. I th- I think I think Forgotten Realms suffers from the you know so like there is already a a bevy of protagonists. 
like there's an NPC that's already done the thing that you want to do. Um, but so long as you don't. Oh my god! Those a people. great example, by the way, of what I'm trying to talk about is Drizzt. But anyway, let's just leave that. Drizzt Orton is straight up like, like, like he's he's like near straight, like good, right? Like that's his whole shtick. But he, but, but he follow he follows the same arc that I was talking. I, I don't want to. Let, let's not. Let's not follow, what arc does he follow? He's he's born and like his dad is like you should be good because the elves are evil and and like that that's the, his arc is never like he, he he's always a good guy, right? Like even even in the prequel books. Like, I've read the prequel books. He, he's, All right, he's, whatever. I I don't I don't actually want to. People are just racist at him. Pretty much. Like, that's true. And he, and he's, and he's still like, good. Oh, that's like what I'm makes such him a such like a poster boy. I'm such a martyr. I know why they're mad at me. Anyway. It's like, they're racist against me, but I don't blame them. <laughs> um. I also think, uh, uh, see, I think, I think Forgotten Realms has a little bit of like the Seinfeld effect, uh, in that yeah. it was the first to do so many things that now seem mundane because they've been copied to death by kind of everything else. Yeah. Um. So kind of like the, the the sheen is is kind of off the. I think there's a combination of that and just sheer volume, right? Like, yeah, you can't throw a stone in 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 for the Forgotten Realms without hitting four heroes that six books have been written about. Um, I, I think. That's yeah, I mean, I don't like ha- I don't have a good handle age. on I don't have a good handle on Forgotten Realms lore. I was an Eberron man. Myself. Dude, I love Eberron. Uh, yeah, no, Eberron was great. Eberron is so foundational to like what I think of. For those as, of you, you know, like, uh, D and D, those of you following the. Uh... The online games we will be doing uh, strange eons in Eberron. Oh boy! Oh, geez. oh boy! Um, yeah, my noble bright go-to is uh, like I said, it's Avatar. You know, the Last Airbender. I can't think of something more quintessentially noble bright. And the best thing about Avatar is that it's so uh, like perfectly deals with a lot of like extra bits to me, right? Like there are just there are pi- there are bits of Pokemon, right? That I also think Pokemon is pretty quintessentially noble bright, but it doesn't kind of hit everything on the nose because it's not a very danger you know, like it's not a very dangerous world that I still want to explore because it's cool anyway kind of thing, which I think is kind of part you know, that that's part and parcel for what Noble Bright kind of should be. Um, um I think I think kill a kill is pretty I, I, I actually really agree with that. That's that's really something. I would agree. If you I watched Weeb Animu, like all. if I watched Weeb, I actually have watched Weeb. I, I've watched extremely Weeb Animu, and I loved it. Uh, but uh, I haven't watched very much. Um. Yeah. So I think. God, I love this to topic. A certain extent, I also think I think a lot of anime sits in that category, yeah. like you know, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Uh, okay. I th- I think I think a lot of like. Typical weeb anime, yeah. To use a dirty word, like you know, I think Naruto's pretty noble, bright. Oh yeah, Naruto. Mm. Yeah, um, Zoids. Oh, I love Zoids, by the way. But mm, so noble, bright. Like, yeah. um, but I think there's a lot of anime that 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 really avoids that 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 rut. But I think I think you know, you know, surface. Surface anime fan that you are, I will accept that argument. <laughs> yeah, noble neutral is actually kind of tough for me. A lot of the neutrals are tough because, um, you know, I view these as spectrums, like you know, like these sliding scales, and so it is. You know, I don't know. I think it's rough figuring. I think out. noble neutral probably is actually Eberron. 
like in all seriousness because I think yeah I think because like your care like ultimately it's like people are out doing shit but it's there's there's so much going on you can't possibly so certainly said I actually think Galarian sits in this territory eh. kind of like surface level yeah uh, I don't know I, about I think that that's weird I, I think part of that is that like Galarian oh Overwatch Overwatch detri- Noble Bright easy yeah um G- Galarian to its 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 detriment is not one area it's like 72 micronations that apparently have hard stops at the borders yeah um and like they all have their own different tones like i definitely think what it is verizia is where rune lords is set right mm-hmm. or canon rune lords um i think verizia is very noble bright um i think say chaliax is 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 notably more um noble dark i think i think Noble, I think everything's pretty noble because it's like you know it's it's always a this, band this of is to me benches. why this is to me why it sits in very neutral territory because there's a lot on both ends of the spectrum uh, and to me that all just kind of balances out you know what I mean like sure I, the I mean the about, mean setting sits in in neutral territory to me yeah but I don't think the mode does like I don't know if there's a single noble neutral setting in it it's just that like by by ba- by waiting like, Galarian is not Galarian is, is a world of pieces it's not like it's not one world you're not really going to be traveling from I guess one point I to the I next. guess I feel that to a certain extent but yeah I definitely do think that there are just noble I think there are just like regularly like noble neutral places uh in there you know like Bravoy you know that's Pretty, I, I think that's pretty noble neutral, right? I think even some of the places where it gets grimmer, right? I think you get in grim territory in Galt, right? Or Ustala. Um, there's territory in the World Wound as well. Yeah, sure. Um, like, there's definitely a lot of variety, but I don't know. Anyway, guys, it's getting kind of late for me. Uh, would you mind ushering us out? Uh, yeah, did you have anything else you want to talk about on the subject, buddy? <sighs> Nothing specific. I could just wax philosophical about this for, like, hours. It's end. a really cool topic. We should just start a new, we should just start a new podcast about... Noble Bright. <laughs> yeah, about Noble Bright Grimdark. Yeah, no, they will call it Noble Bright Grimdark, and we'll spend an hour and a half on... That's uh, actually, I... That's just arguing about That's stuff. actually, I'd be totally down. Well, I guess if we ever need filler episodes, All right. uh, there we go. <laughs> well, you know, thank you guys for letting me come along. It's a pleasure yeah. as always. Yeah, so if you want to um, if you want to email us to tell us what you think of Double Dark Dark versus Grimbright, you can email us at somedervsplaygames at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us at twitch.tv slash somedervsplaygames. You can um, follow us on YouTube and on Twitter, and we'll put all the links in the description. If we get 100 subscribers on YouTube, I can change the name so that it's got a sensible uh, URL, but uh, we right, right now we have zero. So you know if, if any of you can toss <laughs> a subscribe, <is> great. <laughs> it hurts. That was, oh, that was so good. <laughs> uh, if you want to throw us a comment and or, or a like on uh, on SoundCloud, that'd be appreciated too. We read everything. Not that we get much, but uh, we do read yeah, it. Yeah. That... <laughs> Uh, I think that's about it. Mark, do you have anything you wanted to pimp? Uh, nope. Uh, just everything's good. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, until uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.